You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our senior pastor, Jeremy Havlett. Well, we started a series last Sunday called Under My Roof, talking about how do we navigate life God's way in our homes? How do we experience God's peace in our homes? And we're going to be talking about money, which we started last week talking about God's provision. Today is going to be a very practical just lesson on money. Uh, and we're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about parenting. We're going to be talking about entertainment. A lot of cool things in this Under My Roof series. And so uh, without further ado, the title of the message today as we dive in is simply this. It's called Live Richly. And the hope and prayer is as we go through this today um, that we'll discover that God wants vastly more for us than he ever wants from us. But one of the stressors that impacts a lot of the homes that you and I have is financial. And especially with inflation, especially with trying to figure out how are we gonna make it, changes in jobs, changes in scenery, all these things can impact how we go. And a lot of times, some of the biggest fights that you can have with your spouse are financially related. And so money is a massively important topic and one that we should tackle. Also, when you look at the Bible, the Bible talks about money an absolute ton as well. So let's just start off with a statement just to get us all in the same boat, ready? It's simply this. If you want things to change, then you have to change. Oftentimes when it comes to us, we, what we generally, the default setting is, in order to make our life better, we wanna be able to change all of our circumstances. And that certainly can be a true thing. Help fix all the things that are out in front of me or around me, then my life will be easier. But the deeper truth is, is that oftentimes the change has to happen internally in us. If we want things to change, then we have to ourselves change as part of that process. It doesn't matter, I'll give you an example. So I have, unfortunately, one of the things that I have with me is gout. And gout is a, it's like a form of arthritis and it can be very, very painful. And I have gout in my three little toes. And sometimes, actually, who has, you know, you don't have to raise your hand. Y'all know what I'm talking about? If you have gout, you know, don't you? It is the worst. And so here's the thing. Now I can have gout with me in Simpsonville, South Carolina. I can have it in Fountain Inn. Sometimes it can affect my sleep where I'll wake up in the middle of the night with unbelievable pain. Now I can book the most incredible luxury vacation. I'm talking like full, like cruise in the Mediterranean, the nicest place. And when I go on the cruise, guess what's coming with me? My gout. And my, my point is simply this, so many times what we try and think of is maybe a better place or a better circumstance will make things easier. Well, uh, the problem is, is that you take you with you. You take you. And so you in a better situation is still you. And, and it's so easy to always think of change happening externally, when in reality, a lot of the change that has to happen, it has to happen right here. And the same is true with how we handle our relationship with money, okay? We tend to think this way, more money, everything's better. We think that if you throw more money at something, it'll get better, and certainly we've all had the dream of what would happen if you win the lottery, or in, in the Aladdin situation, you come across a lamp, and Robin Williams pops out, and he's like, hey, what do you want? You wanna want be the prince of Persia? You wanna do this? Was it Ali Ababa? Anyway, okay, that's the cartoon version. Yeah. I, you, what do you want? And we all think, well, if I get to see a genie, my first wish is for unlimited wishes. You're gonna cheat the system. Or you think to yourself, hey, if I win the $1.7 billion, you get the immediate payout or over time, either way, you're like, man, if I had that, all of my problems would be solved. And 
we think more money fixes it. But in the words of great American lyricists in our country, I don't know what they want from me. It's like the more money we come across, the more problems we see. The more problems we see. I don't know what they want from me. It's like the more money we come across, the more problems we see. The great Biggie Smalls, Mace, and Puff Daddy. Y'all don't know. Mid-90s music. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Y'all need to relax a little bit. Good gracious. Y'all are super serious today. All right. You're like, he's talking about money. All right. Jesus, Jesus said this. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, the reason I mention this is that we tend to think of that in reverse. We think that what Jesus said was, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, where your treasure, this is Matthew 6, he says, where your treasure is, where you put your money, there your heart will also be. Let me give you another example. If you've never invested in stocks in your life and then one day you take your finances and you're like, I want to do investments and you take your money and you start investing your money in stocks, you have never cared about stocks your entire life until the moment that you take your hard-earned money and you put it in an investment fund and then all of a sudden, guess what happens? Your heart's like, what's going on with the stock? What's going on with the stock? What's going on with the stock? Your heart follows your treasure. I mean, it's a very simple, I want you to understand, this, this, this matters. And so let me give you another example, ready? That dream vacation, the one that you've been saving up for. Listen, the one you're like, listen, I can't wait to go. You book it, maybe it's overseas to Europe. The moment that you take your hard-earned money and you buy that dream vacation, do you know what you do leading up to that dream vacation? Check the weather 8,000 times. So it's not where your heart is, then that's where your treasure will be. It's the other way around. It's where your treasure is, that's where your heart also is gonna be. And remember last week when we started this, our ability to relate to financial stuff has everything to do with a heart issue. It's, it's how we do this. It's actually a really, really big deal. And so having said that, the world has its version of how to handle money. And yet God has his version of how to handle money. And what we wanna do is align ourselves with God's version of how to handle money. Let me give you some lies that the world says though, and they impact all of us in this room and have impacted all of us in this room. Ready? Lies that we can easily believe. Actually, sorry, I switched this around, my man. Thank you, Andrew. Sorry, I went to, all right. I, I totally forgot to tell you that I switched this around. So lies that we believe. You are quick on the draw though, Dr. Andrew. All right, anyway, all right, here's lies. Number one is this, here's a lie that we believe is that you deserve to have what they have. When I grew up, there was a show called Lives of the Rich and Famous. This is before streaming and you would watch these shows, a guy with a British voice who sounded like, you have a voice that just sounds expensive and he would just like talk about all these things. Well, that world of the lives of the rich and famous has now multiplied itself outwards and now it's just, it's not just the rich and famous, now it's our neighbors down the street. And we've come to have this thing that we want, we think we deserve and should have what they have. You know, how, here, here's a phrase that I've found impacts a lot of people in the wrong way. When what we think we're missing is better than what we have, that's when we make bad decisions in our life. When, we, when what we're missing is better than what we have, that's what leads us down. We think, well, man, I have this, it's not good enough. And what the lies, what the world will tell you is this, is that they have it, you should have it. And the amount of times that people have fallen into bad decisions and get rich quick schemes because they're like, well, they got it, I should be able to have this. It's absolutely incredible. So I'm, I'm here to, so we have to understand these lies permeate the way we think, which then impact the decisions that we make. It's a massive, massive deal. 
Let me give you another one, and I'm not gonna spend a ton of time on these, but they do impact how we handle and see money. Here's another one, ready? When it comes to money, we don't need anyone else. We, and, th- and this like, is the thing where, man, you can talk about a lot of things, but you can't talk about money. We hold how we view our money close to the, close to the chest. We're like, man, we don't wanna do this. We think that somehow we don't need anybody else, we gotta figure it out ourselves mentality, and we try and go life in that way and in that perspective. Let me give you another lie. And this is, a, this is a huge lie, ready? You only live once. Now immediately you're like, well, yeah, that's true. Well, hold on a second. We believe that you don't only live once. And in fact, what we believe is actually this life is the life that impacts the eternal one. So if you believe that you only live once, of course that's gonna make you and how you handle money be a certain direction, a certain way, but if you really don't believe that you only live once, in other words, if you really do the core of who you are, believe that you live forever and ever, then that means how you look at and view and handle money is a massive, massive deal. And believe me, it is a massive deal. So what we're gonna do is look at some scripture today. We're gonna go to Luke chapter 12, and we're gonna look at Jesus for a moment, and he's gonna give us a parable. And, and it's, it's one that we should take seriously ourselves. So in Luke chapter 12, this is Jesus talking. I'm reading from the NIV. God's word says this. Then he said to them, this is Jesus, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Can I just stop you right there and be honest with you that I have thought that life consisted in the abundance of possessions for a time or two? I love stuff. I remember when I was a kid, man. I remember when I was a kid, my parents were missionaries, they served God, and, and, and I didn't fully understand how everything worked, but I knew this one thing, I knew that we were poor, and we were legitimately poor. And I knew we were poor when we would travel from South America back to the States, and we would travel around the country, and I would see how much stuff everybody else had. And I'm like, man, that's nice. I'll never forget as a kid. I was like eight years old, and my parents went to visit a church in, in Maryland, and the church had a professional baseball player who was in their church, and the church said, hey, listen, we have the place that we're gonna put you up at while you're visiting us. You're gonna be staying at his house. His name was Scotty McGregor, and he was a pitcher for the Baltimore Orioles, and as a, as a kid, I was used to, I'd show you the houses. The house I was, my parents had when I was born in, they made out of mud and straw with their own feet. Dead serious. And here I am as a kid, going to Scotty McGregor's house. It was the largest house at that point I'd ever seen. It's like an airport, had wings to it. You need like, like a mat that said, you are here. And I'm like, the largest, this is in the mid 80s, the largest TV that I'd ever seen. And by the way, who remembers TVs in the 80s? You go to lift a TV from those times? It's like the heaviest thing you've ever seen. You go like, anyway, largest TV I'd ever seen. And, and it was like room after room And as an eight-year-old kid, I'm like, I couldn't believe that people could have this stuff. And then he had kids that were around my age. They had a basement. And after room after room, I'm like, this house never ends. They took me to the basement. The entire basement was dedicated for toys for his kids. And I'm like, this is what heaven is like. It's found down here. And they had a playhouse in their real house. Like built in, I'm like, man, this is the life. And then the, the son had one of those big wheel cars, but like it would, you know, you remember the big wheel cars, the one that you could, oh. I'm like, man, this is it. And so it was hard for me to realize, 
It's, it's easy, it's easy in the world we live in to think that, man, life consists in the abundance of possessions. Here Jesus is directly contradicting a lot of our default settings. He goes, life does not consist. Let me put it to you another way, ready? The joy that you can get out of life is not in having, it's in something so much more. Let's keep going. Don't worry, I'm not gonna stop for all this. And so let's keep going though. And he told them a parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what should I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I will store surplus grain. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. By the way, carpe diem, seize the day. Early 2000s, YOLO. Anyway, this is what this is. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be, uh, will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Jesus gets real serious. You've built up all of these things for yourself, but guess what? You can't take it with you. You die. And in the death, all these things that you have accumulated thinking they would be your security, it doesn't help you at that point. Verse 21, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Now, I want you to hear, people say, Jesus, he's a great teacher. Yes, Jesus is the greatest teacher. But the things that Jesus often teaches are meant to impact us right here and to change how we think right here. And he does the same with money. So, what I wanna do this morning is lead us in some guiding financial principles. And these are things that are meant to free all of us up today from not building a life on the abundance of possessions, but from us living richly towards God. How do we live richly towards God? And does it actually improve our life? That, that's really, the, I mean, if we make these decisions and do these things, should it improve our life? So I wanna share with you what my wife and I, we've been married for 16 years, how we handle money in our home. These guiding principles have impacted the decisions that we make and how we live. So I'm gonna share them with you. So guiding principle number one, financially, ready? It's simply this, first things first. The Bible talks about tithe, it talks about a tenth, giving it back to the Lord. But my wife and I, for the last 16 years, and by the way, we've been married for 16, for 16 years, going on 17 years, and the best decision that her and I have ever made together that we've not wavered on once is this, we have always, my wife and I, given, given, given back to the Lord. Not been a single moment in the entirety of our marriage when we give back to the Lord. And here's what you have to know. We've had moments in which we've barely made it through. When we were missionaries in Nicaragua, we're serving overseas, we tried to raise our support, we're living off of support. The first thing we would do when we would get our support, we would tithe. We believe in tithing so strongly and we didn't have a lot. My car that I drove in Nicaragua was a Toyota Corolla. Now, I am not the smallest individual, I'll admit that, even though black is slimming, thank goodness. Anyway, <clears throat> there's a comedian that, that talks about how a camera can add 10 pounds, and he was joking about how, is there eight cameras on me right now? I have three cameras on me? Anyway, but so, that's a, a funny comedian. But so, so, I'm not the smallest individual, and my car in Nicaragua, um, oh, voice crack, my car in Nicaragua, Toyota Corolla, all of the outdoor door handles had snapped off except the back passenger door handle. This meant that in order for me to get in my car in Nicaragua, I had to open the back passenger door handle and crawl in from the back seat into the driver's seat. Did I remind you I'm not the smallest individual ever? 
it looked like every time I was getting into my car, I was breaking into my own vehicle. Like everywhere we went, like what is this guy doing? And I have to open up, and it would be like 5,000 degrees outside. And I have to like somersault and like move over and finally get to the car. Now the inside door handles were great. Even back then when my car's door handles would not open, and by the way, I couldn't take it to a shop to get it fixed, had to get someone bring the part down from the States. I got literally ordered three door handles for Toyota Corolla to be down in Nicaragua. And even then, my wife and I, I'm telling you, we're faithful with our, with our tithe. And there's a reason why my wife and I were, were substantially faithful with our tithe. The entire, and, and my, today, we're, we're back in the States. My wife works full time and God has blessed my wife in what she does. And, and she does very, very well. And here's the thing, we think that, well, I'll be faithful with my tithe later when we make more money. You know what Jesus says? If you're not faithful with small things, you're not gonna be faithful with big ones. So back when we had nothing, we, it's actually sometimes harder when you have nothing to be faithful with it than when you have more. And so from the beginning, my wife and I were, were, were faithful. We, we, we just made a determination in our home. We said, you know what? Because it's so much more than money. This principle is actually massive. Let, let me see, actually, you know what? Man, um, does anybody have a $100 bill? Oh, oh, Gary. Oh, my man, okay. Oh, that was really fast. Thank you, Gary. Oh, everyone, this is Gary right here. Thank you, Gary. You were Johnny on the spot. That's a crisp $100 bill, my friend. Yeah, just, there there you go. So I I should check to make sure this is, I shouldn't spend this then. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Crisp $100 bill. Now, just so that you know, this was actually not Gary's $100 bill. Before service started, I went to Gary and I gave him the $100 bill so that when this moment came up in the, in the story, he immediately would have it on hand. So this was actually my $100 bill that I had Gary have and in the moment of the message, he just brought it up to me. The Bible says this, the earth is the Lord's and so is everything in it. So let me give you, the, let me give you a, this is a substantial principle. The reason why my wife and I, for the entirety of our marriage, have always been faithful, giving back to the Lord, is because we recognize at the core of who we are that everything is his to begin with. Now, now I wanna, this is a major heart issue. I'm telling you this is a major one. And I, I, by the way, I don't, I, as a pastor of the church, I have no idea who our best tithers in the church are, and we're not taking up a special offering. And actually, if anything, whenever you see the church, it's always do whatever God's asking you to do. But here's what we do when it comes to tithing. Number one is this, we tend to think that I'm gonna give to God so he can give something back to me. We give so we can get. You know what the New Testament says? God blesses a cheerful giver. So let's take this even a step further. We don't give so that we can get. It's actually the other way around. You know what? We get to give. Because everything is the Lord's in it. And because if we really believe that everything is the Lord's and everything in it, if he made everything, the reason why, the, listen, the reason why my wife has a job that she can make a really good income is because the Lord opened up the door for her for that. It's because of God's provision and God wired her and made her those talents. When my wife and I were moving back from the mission field, this is, uh, we were moving back, I was gonna become pastor, we were gonna be in the process, we didn't know it yet, but launching Renovation Church. Well, my wife didn't feel like she was supposed to work full time and so she went to the company she had worked for before she went overseas and said, do you have any positions available? And they said, well, we have a couple positions, but none of them were, were, for, what, were for her. She goes, well, I really don't think I should do something full-time. I should do something part-time. And so 
we turned down any of the full-time job offers that she had because we were gonna be doing this ministry thing and we believed that God didn't want it to do full-time. And so fast forward several days, my wife and I were like, well, what are we gonna do? Because I don't make enough money, you need to be able to work so that we can live. And we're like, we just turned down potentially some full-time jobs. God, are we doing what you want us to do? And so she turned down jobs. We're in the middle of a transition, two kids, launching ministries, a lot of scary transitional time for us as a family. And we believe that God wanted just to turn down a full-time position. So then we're like, okay, God, it's on you. Literally a couple of days later, the company called back and said, Jess, you know what? We understand that you can't do full-time work. We're gonna create a special role just for you and the hours that you request. When do you wanna work and what do you want it to look like? They created a job just for her to be able to have her. That was over, I mean, you look at it, we're in 2023, that was 10 years ago, and now she is working full-time, and it's been an unbelievable blessing, and God has continued to bless her. But Jess's job, the blessing that God did, is because of him. He's provider God. If you don't understand that he's provider, it's gonna impact all of these other things. Let me put it, let, let's get even deeper for a second. It's not just that just my wife and I give our tithe, it's that the first thing that we do is give our tithe. Now, have you ever wondered why God created giving to begin with? You look in the Old Testament and you see all this sacrifice and you see all this giving. You ever wonder why he did that? And then in the New Testament, Jesus talks about giving the tithe and you talk about this giving concept. Why did God create it this way? I'll tell you why. The reason why I believe God did this is because if we're not careful, we could end up living life very selfishly and very inwardly. And I believe one of the reasons why God created giving back is so that our hearts would not turn inward, so that we would not make everything about us and what Luke says is the abundance of possessions. But instead, the reason why I believe God created giving is so that we would turn and allow our hearts to be moved by something other than ourselves. We, when we live selfishly, because we are limited and finite and small, our world is tiny. But when we look outside of ourselves, we discover an entire world around us that is moving and functioning. And because God loves you so much, he says, don't just live for you. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Look outward. And so when you do that and you look outward, you realize, wait a second, there's so much more. And then my wife and I, not just tithe, it's the first thing that we do. And the reason it's the first thing that we do is because for us, it's an act of worship. And in 16 years, there's not been a single moment in which we have not been faithful with our tithes and offerings. And we have had moments in which I have no idea how we made it through. We've also had moments where God has blessed us. And in all the moments, can I just say this? In blessing and in, and in, and in, limited, like in limited resources, God has always been consistent and he has never once not been worthy of our praise. So, your relationship with money will absolutely change the moment that you realize that it's all about God and he is your provider. I promise you, it'll make a difference. So first things first, my wife and I are faithful with tithes and offerings. Here's the second, and by the way, I encourage you, this is actually my challenge for you, there's so many verses, research this stuff yourself in scripture to see what you believe God is teaching you, ready? All right, here's, number, here's, number, here's another, another thing, ready? Love your budget. I, some of you are immediately stressed with the word budget. You're like, it just, you, you hate it, you're like, ugh. My wife and I in our home, I want you to know something. We put together a budget together, my wife and I, and my wife reconciles. And she pays all the things online and my wife reconciles. And then we have a financial meeting. How, how, how much will we negative? Jeremy, how much did you go to Wendy's this last week? How many chocolate frosties and french fries did you get? 
Like, what did you do? Did you visit the donut store more than once? Because you shouldn't have done that. So we, we reconcile. Let me tell you something. A budget, write down your finances. A budget is not meant to restrict you. It's actually meant to give you freedom and permission and, and be able to do stuff. So this is, I, a lot of you have budgets, but for those who don't have a budget, this very simple illustration is gonna be helpful and because I love food, I'm gonna do it this way. By the way, is there anything, this is so spiritual right here. <laughs> Dr. Pepper. They make this, by the way, the, the river, the, the, the living water in heaven is Dr. Pepper. So if you have your budget, and this is a very simple illustration, or if you don't have a budget, this is a very simple illustration, but this is one that my wife and I have used in our life over and over again. I know this is a 12 pack, but for the sake of the illustration, it's a 10 pack, okay? So you have your finances and Yep, I'm just gonna do this little guy right here. So you have in your financial stuff, the way my wife and I have operated, tried to operate for years, oh, this is 10 cans, 100%. So what we do, my wife and I have done is we said this, the first thing that we do with our money is we give the first, my wife and I, 10% back to the Lord. So now we're left with 90%. So this is now the Lord's. And the reason we do that is an act of worship to him. And I believe that 90% by giving to the Lord is better than 100% if we kept it for ourselves. So let's establish that. So then the next thing that my wife and I do is we put another percentage, actually now we're able to do more, we wanna try and have it set aside for savings, for investment. And we weren't, back, to, back, back in the day, we didn't have the ability to do that. But now what we do is we take 10, and then we do another 10, and we try and save that. So that leaves us with 80 and in the 80%, what we do is we've paid off debt. A couple of years ago, my wife and I had over $30,000 of credit card debt. $30,000. But what my wife and I did is we began to pay credit card debt. We took the smallest, we did the, the snowball principle. We took the smallest credit card and we began to pay it off little bit by little bit. And then we paid it off completely and then we paid off the next credit card. And today my wife and I are completely debt free with zero credit card debt whatsoever. So I'm very thankful, yes. And I, I would want the same for you. So, but this is the deal. Once you give God 10% and then once you put 10% aside, then you have 80% and you can live on the 80% and pay the debt off. It makes the biggest difference in the world. And this is what happens. It's not meant to constrict you. It's meant to actually bless you. Once you have the 80%, you can enjoy all of it. Now, that was way too much, all right. <laughs> you will never have a budget accidentally. You'll never fall into a budget. You're like, oh, I have a budget now. Never. So if you don't write it down, it will never happen. What are the things you wanna have happen in your life? Write it down. Give God his portion. Set aside other stuff for savings. You know what's beautiful about our budget now? Our budget, by the way, is super complicated in the Havlin home. My wife literally has an Excel spreadsheet. I can't look at it because it stresses me out. I know what's on there from a monthly perspective, but the way she handles it, I'm like, ah. those who love Excel, God bless you in the room. <laughs> Excel is like my nemesis. I see all the numbers and my wife will do that. I'm like, ah. So she does it and then we meet about it because if I look at the Excel spreadsheet, I start to lose my mind. It's not good. But here's, but here's what happens is that, you know, we have, our budget is so detailed 
that when we go to buy tires, we've been planning for it for the last two years. Tires! Because who wants to buy tires? Who wakes up one day and is like, man, I really can't wait to go to Costco and throw some new tires in the car. <laughs> no one's waiting. Who wants to buy tires? Who wants to get oil changes? Or wants, no one wants to do that. But what we've done now, and it's been the biggest blessing, is in this percentage of what we do, we've set aside money for property taxes, for tires, for living life. And then when we go to pay those things, oh, it's in the budget. There's one thing. We moved into our house in Fountain Inn that I did the first two years of, of being in our house in Fountain Inn, which I discovered is not something God has called me to do which is trim the bushes in my house. That is, outside of squirrels, that is one of the most challenged, like, I, squirrels are awful, and then trimming bushes is like underneath of that by a good degree. Well, my wife and I put in the budget, once a year we have someone trim the bushes. My point is this, is that if you do this simple principle financially, you give God his, you set aside some, it'll impact everything, but you have to write it down. Two more principles and then we're done. All right, so, simple, simple principles that my wife and I have lived by. Number one, uh, we, we give God his first. Number two, we, we write down our budget. We make sure that we're being faithful with our budget. Number three, ready? And this is kind of, this is a good one. We have found joy in giving to others. It is better to give than to receive. And this is the posture. When we are, if we're not careful, we can become such inward focused people where life is all about us and what we can accumulate, which is exactly the parable that Jesus said. What does it matter if you store all of your food in all these barns? There is so much more to life. And here's what's beautiful, ready? If you go and you research this on your own, and I encourage you to, the benefits of being generous far outweigh being selfish. In fact, medically it tells you if you are a generous individual, do you know what it does? It decreases your stress. It can even prolong your life and it, make you, it can make you enjoy the life that you're in. Do you know what Jesus encourages us to do? To be people who, who are more interested in giving than we are in receiving. In my wife and I's budget, we have a line item in our budget. It's called generosity. Where her and I now have the opportunity to be generous when we have opportunities to be generous. Do you know how cool it is to help other people when you have a chance to do it? And when you see people be helped, I mean, I'm telling you, stories are just incredible. I came across a story of a 12-year-old kid, 12-year-old kid, going to an an academy, and at the academy that he was going to, um, one of his classmates was getting bullied because of the shoes that he was wearing. At the academy this kid was going to, uh, one of the the deans at the school said this, people look at your shoes before they even see your face. And his shoes weren't cool enough, so this 12-year-old kid saw a classmate that was getting bullied because he didn't have cool enough shoes, and so he went home And he told his mom, he goes, mom, can I please, instead of getting me Christmas this year, can I get money from Christmas and use it to buy this other kid some shoes? And sure enough, the mom was so moved, she goes, okay, that's fine, we can do that. That very night when he came home, they went to the store, the next day at school, he came and he brought a brand new pair of sneakers to this kid who was getting bullied. And the smile on his face when he did that was incredible. That one little act of giving, though, snowballed, people began talking about it and both him and the other kid found themselves in the news and an entire community rallying around celebrating this simple act of giving. Christianity. You know early Christians, they were called people of the way because they lived their life differently. And in the early days of the church, the, the, the people who were Christians, followers of Jesus, they lived so differently. They lived a life of unbelievable generosity that it literally impacts the world that you and I live in today. Do you know the first orphanages, do you know where they came from? They came from Christians. And do you know why? 
because in Roman times, when, if a kid was born with a defect, they, a, lot of, a lot of times the Romans, or they just didn't want the kid, what they would do is they would take, a, take the baby to a side of a hill to allow that baby or child just to die because they couldn't feed themselves. And do you know who was moved? Christians in the early church. And you know what the early church did? They went and they picked up the discarded babies and they brought them home. And you know what they started? They started orphanages because of that. Do you know where hospitals came from? Hospitals came from the early church. That's why a lot of the, the names of hospitals, they have Christian names in them. Why? Because we're moved by this ability to want to give to others. You cannot have the gospel of God without generosity. And I, I want to, when you leave today, I, I, I send you into the world to be generous and not selfish. That means being nice to your server at wherever you go to eat today. When they bring you that diet, Dr. Pepper, be appreciative. Be thankful, like legitimately be generous into the world that you live in. All right, last, and not, last money principle is this. This is one that maybe you're not expecting, but enjoy what you have. I encourage you to enjoy what you have. Bible says, godliness with contentment is great gain. And if God has blessed you with a lot of stuff, that's awesome. Life is more than the abundance of possessions. It is so much more than that. The deepest enjoyment you can have in life is always relational. But if God has blessed you with these things, a lot of times you can use what God has blessed you with to help bless others. And I pray that you would actually be able to enjoy the things that you have and experience. There's a family that I know. I, use this, I use, tell this story when I do weddings often. But when they first got married, they literally had nothing. And in having nothing, they were like, what do we do for food? Well, they discovered, well, you know what? On a Sunday night, instead of making a full dinner, what we'll do is we'll just make popcorn. They had a big lunch for Sunday. They went to church and then had a big lunch. So we don't have a lot of money right now. So popcorn's cheap. So on Sunday nights, I mean, they didn't have any, barely any furniture. They didn't have any resources. They made it a thing. Well, we'll watch a movie and eat popcorn. So they just literally, every Sunday night, had popcorn for dinner. Well, over time, their careers begin to grow. They begin to have a lot more resources. And what began to happen is, as they got more resources, they could afford to actually do dinner on Sunday nights. Then they could afford to go to almost anywhere they wanted for dinner. I mean, I'm talking like nice dinners. And yet, they made a decision in their family to say, no, 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 we're gonna remember what it was like when we didn't have stuff. And so they said, Sunday nights, we're only having popcorn. So their kids grew up only having popcorn Sunday nights. Then their kids began to have kids. And you know what they do on Sunday nights? They only have popcorn. And their kids who are growing up in this home going to have popcorn, it's the remembrance of when we didn't have anything, God was still faithful, God was still good, we're gonna enjoy what we have. And as time has gone on, you know what they do Sunday nights? We're gonna have, we're just gonna, we're gonna enjoy doing this. And it became a tradition that got passed down from one to the next generation. I pray that you would be able to enjoy what you have, but life is not in the abundance of possessions. Now I'm gonna end with this, kind of you're gonna say this is kind of a random weird passage of scripture, but I want you to see ultimately that all of this has to do, our money and what we do has to do with how we interact with God himself. Now, what I wanna do is end with this passage of scripture. This is the moment, these ministry guiding principles are well and good, but the way that we can navigate stuff financially has to do with where our heart is before the Lord. And I'm gonna take you to a story which you probably have read about or know about. It's with Jesus and it's in Matthew chapter four. And it's the moment where Jesus finds himself in the wilderness and the devil comes to tempt him. So in Matthew chapter four, we're only gonna look at the first temptation. Verse one says this. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. That's an understatement probably. He was starving. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell those stones to become bread. 
Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. When you look at the temptations of Jesus, ready? It comes down to provision, and then you look at the next temptation, it comes down to protection, and it comes down to power. The question, the reason I'm showing this temptation to you is this. Who is your provider? And Jesus finds himself hungry in the middle of the wilderness, and he could have easily taken that stone and turned it to bread. That's the temptation that was offered to him, and Jesus says no. And by the way, Jesus answered with scripture. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The best way that you will ever handle money is the same approach Jesus did. My provision in my life comes from God and God alone. He is my daily bread. And then you discover a God whose mercies are new every morning. I've told you that my wife and I for 16 years have made a decision that we've never faltered on being faithful with our tithes and offerings. Can I tell you something else in 16 years? There's not been a single moment where we have ever lacked because God has always given us what we've needed. We may not have had overflow. Sometimes we barely had enough for the night. Sometimes we barely had enough for the moment. But I look back on 16 years, and you know what I see? I see God's faithfulness over and over and over again. Because man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And if he is my God, and he is my God, then as an act of worship, what I'm gonna do is not live for the abundance of possessions, but my life is to be lived for a God who has saved me, redeemed me, given me his life so that I might live again. This is not the world that I live in forever. I live in another one for eternity and I'm gonna make sure that my posture is one that says, God, it's all you and you alone. Therefore, you are worthy of my worship. And it changes my relationship to money. And now all of a sudden, guess what? You have stuff, it's cool. You don't have stuff, it's cool. You can say what Paul said. I have a lot, I have a little. God is still good. My God is still good because the provision is from him and him alone. I'm gonna pray for you. Like you guys can bow your heads and close your eyes. I know, Lord, there's a lot of financial stress right here in this room. I know that there are needs that are significant. I also know that there's also a lot of abundance in this room. And the goal, Lord, is money's not bad. Even having things is not bad, but what is bad is when we think those things are the things that are meant to make us happy. And so, Lord, I pray that we would recognize and realize that the foundation of how we view money, we would view it, Lord, in the way that you have asked us to view it. That you and you alone are our provider. And that out of that, we can be people who manage and handle our finances in a way that glorifies and honors you and gives us freedom to enjoy the life, Lord, as best as possible. I pray for anyone who is stressed financially, God, anyone who is wondering, Lord, what's gonna happen, that this would be a time where they discover Jehovah Jireh is my provider, that you are faithful in every moment of our life. Lord, and that for those who are in abundance, Lord, I pray that we would recognize and realize, Lord, that 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 God, that life is not in the abundance of possessions. Lord, that the abundance of possessions is small in comparison with knowing and walking with you and living richly towards you. So re refocus our minds and hearts. Lord, that we might honor you with the treasure that we have. It all, it all comes from you to begin with. So Lord, we thank you for who you are, all that you've done. Help us, Lord, to live differently in how we view money and to do it in a way that honors you. We love you, Jesus, your name we pray. Amen and amen. Church, we love you. Have a blessed day. God bless you. May you go in peace. We'll see you guys next week.
Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.